cliffcentral.com. Fired up for the bounce show this week on Monday. Wow, what a weekend it was with the All Blacks just absolutely thrashing the Springboks. And there's no other way of saying it. That was, um, well, a, a good saying is six of the best trousers down. But the weekend, well, that was six of the best trousers down with your family watching and televised and uh, everyone pointing and laughing. It was such a thunderous clap that, uh, well, the rugby world's in disarray here in South Africa right now, and uh, rightly so. Well, it's been teetering on the edge for quite some time now, but I think this is very much the bottom, the lowest of low, and we can't hide from any of this anymore. No excuses will do, only solutions and critical analysis, and that is exactly what you're going to get today, obviously. upbeat song in the background because you can only stay upbeat right we can't be all depressed doom and gloom about this it's no big surprise either rugby has been dire dire for the green and gold for quite some time now and the weekend maybe actually was the greatest thing that could happen to the box taking the biggest ever defeat and on home soil the biggest defeat against new zealand the most points ever conceded uh, there's only one game that's been worse as far as uh, a loss that was 53-3 against England. But, I mean, the box played, I think, 65 minutes with 14 men that day. And that's when Johnny Wilkinson was at his prime at Twickenham. So it was terrible. It was disastrous Saturday. But I was there. And it was actually really, really interesting to be there and take it all in. Like, there's just certain parts that, oh, there's all parts that need to change about SA Rugby right now. So if you go on to the today after the show, uh, you can catch my latest written piece there, which is about the fact that this is probably the Ashes moment for the Springboks. You know, back in the 1800s, when England lost to Australia for the first time, they decided that the, the, the game had died. The local game in England was dead and it was put to rest. And uh, it was cremated, and there was an obituary. Well, I've kind of made our own one for that, because let's be honest, this isn't what SA Rugby's about. Getting beaten nine tries to zero, um, that's not what it's about. That's not why the jersey goes on those players. It's it's broken, it's done, it's finished. We've got to let go of this whole nostalgia about the fact that the box are a world strength. It just isn't there anymore. And uh, you can you can foul-mouth me as much as you want about the fact that I'm being sensationalist here. It's just that that's the honest truth, huh? It is the honest truth, and uh, we need to come to grips with such things. So on the show today, I'm not going to crap on and put any South Africans through any sort of misery by asking them to go through it. Uh, this morning on the Gareth Cliff Show on Cliff Central, I already, um, well, asked AJ Fenter, Xbox AJ Fenter for his views, and it was quite difficult because what can you really say? You know, there's not a lot you can say from a South African perspective right now. So I've got Johnny King from New Zealand to talk about the rugby championship, talk about the All Blacks, and give us maybe some different insights as to what's going on right now because we can only ever see, well, the car crash that is our team. So we've got Johnny with that. But I've also got, um, well, basically a variety of clips from Supersports panel. Now, I know people always sort of mock them and they say they're very cliched, but every now and again, the insights are already spot on. So between Nas and Nick, uh, there's some really good insights I want to share with you right now to get into our feature. Uh, before we get to Johnny, we'll chat to Johnny in about sort of 15, 20 minutes. The important thing about this the studio panel discussion after the match on Supersport this last weekend was the fact that you can just see these guys are tired, right? I mean, sure, they get paid lots of money to be pundits and talk about what they just saw, all that kind of stuff. But these guys are very frustrated with what's going on. So they're left with nothing but the truth and nothing but the truth. So Nas has a bit of a go. Uh, Nick finally gives him some airtime, which in itself was quite entertaining. Uh, Nick Mallard basically outlines what the big problem is, what we're looking at. And then I've got um, Alistair Goodseer post-match and what he had to say, which was also a little bit kind of boring, actually, and uh, very much like a no-shit kind of thing. So let's get into those clips. And then we can get into what happened with Aaron Smith as well. Now, I know before the test, there was a little bit of light humor around the fact that he was caught uh, putting the wood to a female uh, friend in the, <laughs> in the paraplegics toilets, the, the handicapped toilets. And uh, New Zealand as well, they've made a big deal about this. Now, not a lot happens in New Zealand, basically. Uh, it rains. Um, sheep graze and uh they play rugby that's pretty much what happens in new zealand so this was an absolute national disaster that aaron smith was caught doing nefarious things at an airport toilet so i found this really great clip from new zealand where they literally pull it to pieces in their very new zealand kind of way so you're not gonna hear too much of my voice today which i always think is a fantastic thing but let's get straight into other voices and very insightful people at that this is basically nick mallet's well 
given you as it was post-match. Is it useful to even look for positives? No, there aren't any positives after a loss like that. I suppose the first half was a brave performance, but remember that New Zealand were threatening probably a lot more than we were, and I spoke about the stats at halftime. It's just impossible to defend for 80 minutes if you don't hold on to the ball. And uh, the philosophy of trying to play rugby without the ball is, uh, is uh, not only a negative one, but it just doesn't work against a side which has such an attacking genius as the All Blacks do at the moment. So what I think is, uh, so is, is, we just have a look at some of the stats. 758 metres made by, uh, uh, by New Zealand. We made 174. They had 151 carries to 61. They beat 33 defenders to R2. We missed 33 tackles today. 190 passes to 79. 24 offloads to 6. They had 68% possession and they had 71% territory. I mean, it was such a comprehensive performance in that second half. Uh, I was just so relieved to hear the final whistle, quite frankly, because uh, it was uh, getting very, very painful at the end. It certainly was painful. It's one that's going to unfortunately stick in the memory. John von Rensberg was sitting with us a little earlier. Yeah, that whole thing about sticking in the memories. So I was there on Saturday, okay? And everything that Nick Mallett just said there, it, it was. You were looking for that final whistle as a Bok fan. But it was just, um, well, poetry emotion how the All Blacks went about just picking to pieces an inferior team on the weekend. And that's exactly what they were. Nine tries to zero. That is inferior in every single way. That first half was all about just trying to stay with them. But it was just, it was futile, wasn't it? Because every time the, the All Blacks had the ball, there's something was happening. Every time the box had the ball, they were just either kicking it away, throwing it a terrible pass, or just looking to make contact. There was just, like, it was panic stations all around. And, um, she was like, it was sad to see your team take such a dicking. But at the same time, it was one of the best rugby experiences I had in the weekend, just witnessing all of this, because it gives you a great understanding of what's going on. Um, Nas Butcher then had some other things to say about this. And like I said, this is one of the few times that Nick Mallard actually gives him a chance to speak. So uh, we have to obviously showcase this. This is Nas on basically he's just frustrated and all this talking, nothing happens. And this game for him just well, kind of really brought home how it's time something happens with this. Where to from here, Nas? Okay, um, can I take three minutes? Go for Don't it. Mind. Go okay. for it. I love it how he has to ask permission basically from Nick, if he can speak for more than one sentence. <laughs> now, um, you know, I've, I've said it just before we went on air. I've been sitting here for quite a number of years in studio and, um, you know, been listening the whole time on how we're going to slow their ball down, how we're going to defend, how we need to put our structures in place. We never actually talk about, as we talked about the lines, what's positive, how we're going to create, how we're going to outsmart somebody. And I think we really, for the last number of years, we've been talking about this. And we've, we've really become part of a system that we don't play. We've heard it on super rugby level how many years uh, Stormers is the best defensive team. And we went on and on and on. And then we started getting midfields that's bashing, bashing, bashing the whole time, not playing with the outside players. And that, for me, is a major problem. I'm taking you back a couple of weeks ago. We sat here. I was very quiet and uh, tongue-in-cheek, tongue in very quiet, because I had to listen here for 40 minutes how we need to sort out our defense. We ne- Another subtle jibe at Nick. We never spoke about how we're going to play. Today, we had a number of turnovers. I know it wasn't a great game, and luckily Barrett had an awful first half. Otherwise, this could have been an absolute disaster. Okay? We had a number of turnovers. The first thing we get the ball, we kick it downfield. Isn't it? Yeah. We, we're not even thinking of playing it out to the wing. The wing run, pass it back inside. Brian gets the ball, he kicks it out directly into touch. That's the mentality. But that's, I, I still believe we got into this whole thing of the game plan dictate how the players should play instead of let the players play on their talent. I'm telling you, on their talent. And I haven't seen that for a long time until the Lions actually came through after Thank three you. years of hard work. Yeah. And that's where we are. Just hold that thought for a while. We'll, we'll get back to it. Ashwin. Yeah, Nas makes a very good point there. It's like talent, game plan, all those kind of things. But test rugby isn't the most complicated thing when you think about it, right? Now, we speak about game plans and being a, playing attractive rugby at super level, carry cup level, all that kind of stuff. But look at what the All Blacks do, right? They have a great kick-chase game. That's all they do. They don't have a lot more than that. They basically put the team under pressure they're playing against, okay? And then as soon as they wilt, then these guys run ragged, and then those silky, 
beautiful skills come out and the audacious passes and offloads. But that's not actually their primary game. Their primary game is to make sure that you don't have the ball and that when you do have it, you're hugely pressured, okay? That's that's kind of it. You can really look for as deep as you want. That's kind of their game. What's the Springbok, what is the Springbok game right now? They used to be disciplined. They used to have a great defense, right? And now what does that do? That creates pressure. You then score upon the pressure. You don't just get the ball uh, from a kick and you're 22 and go, right, we're going to run this thing and we're going to score. Only New Zealand can do that because they've, they've already applied so much pressure and they're, they're creating holes. So all the box really needs to keep doing is trying to apply pressure. At what stage were they under pressure, the All Blacks, on the weekend? Absolutely none. They kept the game going. All the box could do was try to slow the ball down. It seemed their only game plan was to slow it down. So... That was in mind. Why would none of those kicks to touch going into the crowd? Every time they kicked a touch, Kieran Reed or somebody was having a quick throw in. That's as good as missing touch. You're not slowing the ball, ball down. Territory-wise, you're never getting out of your own 10-yard line. So all that pressure just kept mounting back. And that's what the All Blacks do. They create pressure over and over and over. So we can talk about the fact that we haven't got this great expansive play, but that's actually not it. How are we outsmarting the other people by creating pressure? How are we smart in defense? It's one thing about just putting your body in the line and making guys tackle. But that's kind of impossible unless you're doing it cleverly. The box missed 33 tackles over the weekend. Now, that isn't because they can't tackle. It's because they have no plan as how they're going to tackle. How are they going to bust, um, you know, these attacks apart? How are they going to do it? That needs a game plan. So there's just so many levels here and none of them are being touched upon. But, you know, like there's so many different issues here. You can pinpoint and you can nitpick and you can pull the pieces. So many different things about SA Rugby right now. You know, there's something so wrong that when every single person can be right to a certain degree. I mean, I was sitting with some pretty basic people behind me on the weekend who were just absolutely hammered. I think they actually passed out in the second half because they went for beer and didn't come back. And even these guys were making sense. Now, you know, when you're salt of the earth 73 beers in kind of guy is saying things and it's resonating with what's going on in the game that's when you know srb has become so basic and so troubled but uh nick mallet goes on to say a few other things again like super sports becoming a real great wealth of, of insights here mostly because the content's just so easy but this is what nick mallet's got to say about bigger issues here bigger issues that we can talk about at, at length or we have talked about length already is that yes this Bok team is crap right now and they're not doing well but on what resources and what opportunities are they getting you know we're not making excuses for them because the, the time for excuses are all done now but there are so many different aspects why this gulf is so massive nine tries to zero between SA and New Zealand here's Nick with a couple of those insights and, uh, but still, it's not just about the head coach of the Springboks. That's not the problem. The problem in South Africa is that we have, we, we cannot afford 14 professional rugby unions. He talks about all the talent that we've got. We, um, a lot of our talent is, young talent is going overseas because of the rand, uh, uh, and dollar and rand, euro pound and, and pound. So we've got to keep our players in this country by reducing the number of professional sides and making those professional franchises Professional in the sense that people that that people can own shares in those as they do in England the clubs and as they do in France the clubs so that people so that businessmen are running are running our, our franchises and not and not politically uh, uh, presidents who are politically voted into position. Ash. Well, look, I know I'm throwing a lot at, at you here this morning, but it needs to kind of get like this. We can't have the same circular debates and all that kind of crap. So Nick makes, again, some very good points is that, um, nitpicking the game. Yeah, sure. There's value in it. Uh, you've always got to assess where you've gone wrong because that's how you know how to get better. But it all, like, SA rugby isn't such a hole right now that, um, you have to look kind of higher. You have to look kind of further and you have to look kind of deeper. And as my, my good friend on Twitter to me, uh, said earlier, um, Johan Kutzea, we had on that for a really great um, discussion recently. He says, unless you're going to change the structures as far as amateurs running a professional union, which is SA Rugby and the Springboks as such, then this will ever change. All these people who, who want their own little, little piece of the pie, you know, they're never going to vote themselves out because essentially that's what needs to happen. Like Nick Mallett was saying here, how these unions need to be condensed down so that we've got smaller platforms offering a much bigger um, – sort of potential for players out there for that to happen 
some nobody in the northern free state who is holding on to the, his his piece of the pie. He needs to say, you know what, guys, I'm offering nothing. I'm adding nothing. Um, so how about I just go get another job? You know, how about I just go and pay full price to go watch this remarks in future rather than getting my little benefits here? Let me do that. That's never going to work because just like in politics, everyone is in it for themselves. They don't care about the big picture. The big picture is them. They are their big picture. So all of these little things are just conspiring against the remarks at all given stages. And I know, like I said, it's a lot to kind of take in so early on a Monday. But there are so many big problems here. And uh, there's going to be this great coaching in Darwin now for SA Rugby, whereby stuff will be said, people will nod, um, sage expressions shall be shared across boardroom tables and on the field. But it's just, it's a structure thing. So as much as we can keep plastering over all the cracks, Bok Rugby, as we know, is essentially dead because what is happening right now is so tired. I mean, these teams, we're being lapped by teams. On the weekend, the All Blacks lapped us. If this was, if this was a track race, <laughs> I mean, the All Blacks would be running, they'll be hearing the bell for the final lap, and we'll still have two to go. It's that bad. So just bear this in mind. I know it's it's not the easiest solution to have because, you know, you get angry. Like, I left that stadium on, Sunday, on Saturday. There were a lot of angry people, not just because they just dedicated a week in their lives and travel costs and all that kind of stuff. Um, they were angry because the Bok team, up until this point, has meant so much to, to SA Rugby fans. But that's gone. Like, I'm sorry to say it, but it's gone now. We can't keep plastering over the cuck. We can't keep thinking that, oh, well, you know, we were good not so long ago. Yeah, it's it's all done. We need to look at something completely new, a completely overhauled system. And that's the only way. Otherwise, every single week, we're going to be sitting here after a match and going, well, you know, the guys aren't playing the best ability because this, this, and that. And then people will say, oh, because the politics and this and that. Look, these are all superficial kind of things. An overhaul of the system has to take place. And there's not even any point getting angry about this. That is just the cold reality. The cold, cold reality. And um, I'm actually tired of talking myself horse around all of this. But getting back to current matters, what did Alice Gritsia have to say after this game? That's the next question that I want to pose to you. What could he have said, really? His team was just given the biggest hiding that he's ever seen, that most of us have ever seen in the flesh. Um, what could the guy say? Well, this was his effort, I guess. So, Alistair, you, you have that solemn look on your face because it is a dark day. No, absolutely. It's uh, in a way embarrassing, you know. No, not in a way. It is embarrassing. It's flat out embarrassing. Nothing other than just it is. The way we sort of uh, fell apart in the second half. I think uh, I don't want to make excuses. And, I, you know, only thing is if your effort is not good enough and you, you get punished like this. Uh, 20 minutes to go, 22.15, we're still in the game, and then there's a charge down, and everything sort of turned ugly after that. Um, yeah, the stuff, it's hurting, um, you know, it, and, and, and it's something that you can't measure the effort of the players by, uh, especially the last 10 minutes, with the, you know, compounded, compounded by the yellow card as well. Um, we have to fix it. We have to fix it. What are you going to do to fix it? I mean, we had. Good question, Joel. Good question. Fire it in there. 70% of possession against us and are territorially not in the game. What are you going to do to fix this? Yeah, look, the first thing is, uh, uh, well, I think it's, uh, it's not... Well, look, the first thing is, that's too much umming and ahhing, Alistair. See, you know, people say it's not your fault, but you're not doing the greatest job to cover yourself in extra dignity with this either. Just a springbok problem with South African problems are aerial skills. That's a one thing. If you kick contestable and, and you can't handle the, if you kick distance and you can't handle the contestable kick back, then, then we have a problem. And, uh, it doesn't matter what tries, uh, try of, uh, what, what you try, the type of kick you want to employ. Contestables we don't win, they win it. Uh, when we kick distance, uh, they got their numbers back and the kick, con- we can't handle that contestable. Then it becomes uh, a bit uh, difficult to, to, you know, to play. Okay, so what he's saying is that you can't kick the ball to the All Blacks. But what did they do the whole time? They kept kicking the ball to the All Blacks. <laughs> like, if you can't contest, then maybe try the ball in hand. I mean, like, look, I'm not. <laughs> is, this, is this clear to you as it is to me here? a kicking game because you can't run yourself out of your half and think you, you're going to get territory by running you out with a, a defense like they have. Ah. They, they, they run out. Nice, Joel. They do indeed. They do run out. What do you got for that, Alistair? 
Well, I think the big thing is, like I said and professed early in the year, is, and I'm not pointing fingers, the first fingers that I'll point is at me, is about our movement, our speed of movement off the ball, and that is where they are much better at this point in time. And a lot of coaches have spoken about the fitness, a lot of coaches have you know, spoken about their system set up, and therefore you, you see in everything they do, they just set with more intensity. Listen to this. Doesn't it bother you that you didn't put your whole house on the All Blacks scoring 50 <laughs> this last weekend? Um, we can't kick against them because they catch the ball better. We can't run against them because they're faster and stronger. So basically, Alistair Kutsir is conceding here that this team has absolutely not a single attribute that can possibly trump the All Blacks. He's not saying it in as many words, but he's kind of revealing that. I mean, this is kind of telling. This is why you need to listen to something like this after a match to really work out where this team is right now. So how can I mean, this isn't even a plus over the crack situation. This is Alex Garcia saying, guys, we've got absolutely nothing. Early on defense, early on attack, and that's why they can get the space out wide. What would your message be to the past players now, the fans, the public, who are sitting at home bitterly disappointed right now? No, we all are bitterly disappointed, and they are rightly, so they, they, they need to be. Uh, but look, one, I've gone through tough times in my life, and, and one has got to have patience in affliction, you know, and just believe and, and trust that uh, uh, if we have better players in the country, surely I would like to, to get them and have a look at them in the end of year tour. But, uh, uh, you know, we, we as a group will have to turn it around. We will have to be, you look ourselves in the mirror and, and ask yourself, was that good enough to represent your country? And uh, we've got to start somewhere. Unfortunately, we, 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 we have played against, uh, you know, a New Zealand side that is really, you know, one should give credit to them as well. Uh, it's probably one of the better sides, the best sides I've seen with their continuity, with their, their confidence and the form that they are showing. Uh, whatever they do, they do it accurately. They execute on the field. And, uh, I mean, uh, we have to sort of uh, send our replacements, you know, just after 45th minute to bring impact. You know, they, they last and they do their impact at 60. So whatever you Ah, so that's how they do it because our guys are so screwed right after the second the half time. Okay, well that explains it because I always thought that was just some sort of predetermined um, kind of thing, but it's purely a conditioning thing. Clearly, try and 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 rectify. Then then there's just a better counter from them. So uh, you know, all credit to them, but uh, we we've got some work to do. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess we do. Right, well, we don't want to pull any, pull any piss out of them any further. I mean, look, it's, what's done is done. Um, but my point of all of this and giving you so much in this little 20 minutes is that SROP is broken. Now, we've all known this for quite some time, but we need to actually accept it now. This whole thing about the Springbok aura, all that kind of stuff, is that it's got it to the lowest possible point. Forget about Japan. That was just a really bad game in a World Cup and a really confused coach. We still weren't a terrible, terrible team back then. But this is it. I think this is rock bottom right now. So let's just appreciate this for what it is. It's rock bottom. How are things going to be wholeheartedly changed? I mean, we're talking wholesale changes here. I'm not saying get rid of the coach. There's no point giving some other guy all these problems to deal with. Alice is going to stay there. But everything else has got to change around how we look at things from 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 going forward, how we look at the structures, how our players are given opportunities, why are they not conditioned well, are we ever playing them, um, this whole union versus um, South Africa thing, you know, it's like, how are we going to get the best, the best interest of the Springboks coming into this, are we ever going to be able to do it, these questions need to come up and they need to be answered, if it's never going to be a position where we can have central contracts, let's let go of this whole central contract wish list thing, because the old best can do it because of the way they're, they're set up and their structures and that kind of stuff, but Let's have a look at it. If we can't do it, cool. Draw a line underneath that. What's the next best solution? We need to find these things and find them bloody quick. Because um, who's going to go watch the All Blacks play against the Springboks again? Only All Blacks fans, which I must add are growing in numbers here. This isn't just your usual people from the Cape Flats of, of South Africa supporting the All Blacks. I saw a lot of white Afrikaans people supporting the All Blacks. That just shows the full circle moments of fans. These people are just frustrated. They've given up on the box. Imagine that, huh? An institution in SA Rugby. People are giving up on them in their droves. There was a lot of All Black jerseys. And um, it was a strange scenario on Saturday seeing all this. And the guys are pretty stoked afterwards. I mean, they just watched their team, their new team, because they've forgotten about their old team. That's how much they've lost faith in all the systems here right now. 
so sorry over to you, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, we are going to have more of a, uh, um, a New Zealand slant on things. So we're going to chat to Johnny in about five minutes. And um, to get him into that, there's a big hoo-ha about the Aaron Smith thing of the weekend. I know it's not a big deal. I mean, look. Sports stars, you're misbehaving from the very beginning. Some people stay sports stars so they can keep misbehaving. But, um, well, Aaron Smith, okay, caught in the toilets with a lady friend. He was, there's a strange sort of video which I'll post on my website after this. But he's in this open area and here he is just being forced into an apology. It looks very solemn and very kind of awkward. Here he is, Aaron Smith, apologizing for his acts. made a huge mistake, a huge uh, error in judgment. I'd firstly like to say huge sorry to my partner Tegan, her family, uh, my family. Um, um, also sorry to my teammates, um, NZRU and uh, New Zealand fans. Um, my behaviour is unacceptable, and um, if you could respect me and my partner in this situation, I'm just trying to get home to deal with this. Thank you. Wow, so that's no messing around, huh? I mean, obviously, he's, that's a grown man crying badly in public, but when you get turfed out of the all-black team, it's a big deal, right? Aaron Cruden? Greatest fly off in the world? Yeah. Then Burden Barrett was given a chance because he was messing around with strippers and Burden Barrett has not left that position and nor will he. <laughs> Aaron Smith, TJ Paranoia had a pretty good game of the weekend. But what I found most entertaining was the New Zealand media reacting to all of this. Now, how about this for a clip? It's quite long, but I've got to play you all of it. It really is quite something. Halfback Aaron Smith, one of the best players in the world, is being sent home from South Africa after the revelation. Witnesses say he and a woman used a disabled toilet at Christchurch Airport for what appeared to be a sexual encounter. Smith was in the All Blacks official travel uniform and was flying home on September the 18th, the day after the big win over the Springboks. It's not the first time he's been in trouble and he now faces a misconduct hearing on his return to New Zealand. Rebecca Wright has more details and reaction. This is All Black Aaron Smith just hours before he was discovered giving a private performance in a disabled toilet. At the Christchurch Airport, Aaron and a female friend were seen by members of the public to enter the disabled toilets. A witness says Smith and the woman were in there for about 10 minutes and rhythmic tapping noises could be heard. A couple who were waiting outside with their young son captured these pictures of the pair and say that it was obvious a sex act was taking place. It's pretty Clearly graphic, Aaron huh? is uh, bitterly disappointed in his behaviour and... Uh, feels he's let the team down. Witnesses say that the All Black left the cubicle first, straightening up his shirt and rubbing his face, and the woman emerged about 30 seconds later. Smith was wearing his All Blacks uniform and returned to his teammates like nothing had happened and proceeded to greet fans at the airport. Now, nearly three weeks later, his private liaison has become public and the star player is apologetic. He feels... Uh, Bitterly disappointed in letting his family and his partner down. So Smith is suspended from the All Blacks for one game for misconduct and he's coming home from South Africa to face the music with his girlfriend. Well, as mentioned, it's just the latest slip-up for the top halfback. Two years ago, a sexual fling with well-known stripper and escort Lisa Lewis ended in his then-girlfriend leaving him. Also that year, he posted a nude selfie on social media causing major embarrassment and he was withdrawn from meeting the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. And he was dropped to the bench in 2012 after breaking a curfew following a game against Argentina in Wellington. Quick question, guys. What do you think of able-bodied people who take disabled parking spots? What about an all-black taking a disabled parking spot? Red card, surely. What about an all-black taking a disabled park in front of a family with a kid in a pram and, you know, not actually parking, but... Come on. Don't this guy just sounds mean now. Okay, it's still prime time. Fact is, this isn't really about sex. It's about responsibility. Aaron Smith clearly has a problem with his 
pants. Look, here's his idea of a <laughs> selfie. But that's his problem. Professionals don't take their problems to work. Here's New Zealand Rugby's Chris Lendrum laying it down for new recruits in a story we did last year. So you can't have all of the upside of being a professional player, all the enjoyment, all the money, without understanding the other side of it. The risk that your profile brings to you if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Disabled toilet, totally the wrong place. Two in the Arvo, totally the wrong time. So actually, this is about sex. Let's talk about sex. The response to this suggests that sex isn't a game. It's not like blowing your nose. It's generally done in private, in the right place, at the right time, not because people are weird, but because they agree it's special. So thanks for reminding us of that, Aaron Smith. Go the ABs, go sex. Now, okay, I'm well, that got awkward pretty quickly. I won't play the whole thing because you don't get, get Johnny waiting, but I'll put the whole video on the bounce of Sierra today after the show. But, uh, yeah, cheapers, huh? I think if that happened in SA, they would laugh it off, but not like obviously they would suspend him and still, but cheapers, that got really, really bad. Okay, so we move on to Johnny King. Johnny, can you hear us? Wow, that was uh, an interesting introduction, uh, blurring its way into a uh my localities in New Zealand, but it's wonderful to be with you on this Monday night from Aotearoa. Oh, yeah, it was like being in a, in a courtroom then. Well, Johnny, very, I wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't your official intro. It's just that I, I found it so interesting that when you're, because here in SA, obviously our rugby is not doing so well right now. Over there in New Zealand, it couldn't be any better. But the way that this, uh, I found this clip, but it goes on for like five minutes. This this morning show, from what I can uh, uh, gather here, they all just take a huge rip at Aaron Smith, who I didn't realize had a had a history in this. But anyway, I don't want to talk about that because that's going to detract from how amazing the All Blacks are right now. And I think amongst all the crap here in South Africa, we need to kind of take notice that this is a very very special team. So. Just kind of starting off with, is this probably the best all-black team you have seen, or is it just another great team and just happens that the rest of the world are really crap right now? I think the answer to that probably is yes. I think it's probably a bit of both. If It's hard to compare you know, generations, pre-professionalism, post-professionalism. People talk about the 87 side that was pretty much unbeatable through uh, through. 91, which had some really special players. But then South Africa wasn't around then, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we talk about that and they're held in, in high regard. And, and obviously, McCaw and Carter, uh, I mean, those two individuals have uh, rare places in New Zealand sporting folklore, just New Zealand general culture. So we look at this, so that period around 2011 and, and the years following that. Uh, and because of I guess their status, you know, everyone was an ex- everyone was expecting 2016 to be uh, a bit of a wake up call, losing six Centurions um, players of that caliber, and you know, Hanson, the man that he is, decided we'll take it to the next level. And Sam Kane's talked about, you know, not being you know quite sure about when Hanson talked about that if, if he sort of you know believe that could be the case but obviously we've seen since the season has started what is what has transpired I think the key thing and this is a little bit about New Zealand New Zealand culture New Zealand psyche as you may know Ben and South Africans listening New Zealanders aren't we don't tend to blow our own trumpet we're not you know we're not so much like that those people on that island sort of west from us (laughs) and so you know we we know that we're so decent at rugby. We've normally been decent at rugby, but there's always been those like, nagging doubts, and it, they've come out when the, the heat has been most on, which is Rugby World Cup times. Yeah. And I, I don't tend to listen to Phil Kearns too much, but one thing I do remember him saying after 2007, he said once they win one, they could win four or five in a row, or numbers to that effect. And so 2011 and 2015, and what those two World Cups have done uh, the talent's never been an issue in New Zealand. School level's never been an issue. The, the top two inches, as they say, have been the issue. And now, I think in 2016, the All Blacks finally believe their own press. They, they finally believe their own myth. They've got a great team culture. They've had a coach who's been around, um, you know, for a long time, like first as assistant, now as head coach. And 
they're, they're putting it together and they have supreme confidence that, you know, they can finish the job against anyone. I mean, what, and, and it hasn't just been 2016. Before the Rugby World Cup final, I got a bit excited about it when I read it, but um, it was reported in the Aussie uh, press that McCaw wanted to play the Australians in the final and that uh, um, they were going to put a number on them. And, you know, that's, that sounds very not, not very Kiwi-like, but, you know, it, 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 the self-belief is now becoming, you know, and the mental game. I mean, you, you, you hear McCaw talking about the significant growth that he's had in post-2007 and uh, just the ability to be able to think under pressure, act, out of, act under pressure, and to, you know, make rugby sing on the field. And, I mean, that's... You know, looking at the game on the weekend, their imagination. You know, watching it again, you just, just the, the the backs and the forwards, the way they interplay. The, you know, Kieran running through the gap. You've got Dane Dane Coles doing all manner of things when he's a hooker. Just the passing and and it's the just the the way they're able to combine uh, is something to behold. And for all the pessimism. And for the depression that's probably in your part of the world, Karpinski, um, you know, the beauty of the rugby, oh, it's an emotional moment, you know, despite the scoreline, which really is a tragedy. Yeah. Well, Johnny, it just, really is a tragedy. Just touching your point there about uh, Richie saying that they want to put a number on the on the Aussies in the World Cup final, you also find, like, it's just that they're, they're, they're reinventing how you play rugby. So when it comes to the whole belief structure, it's almost like, okay, well, what do we want to, what do we want to do? It's got to the point where, I mean, I'm just looking at this. They scored 38 tries in the rugby championship. The Springboks scored eight. Um, you know, just watching them play, like I was, I was there live on Saturday and I was sitting very high up because the Kings Park Stadium is strange. It's very sheer. It's actually quite scary, but then it's like, a, it's like a actual rail in front of your seat so you don't fall down. And that's, and that's in the, in the seating area. And the way I looked at it was they don't get the ball. And think about the opposition. They get the ball and think, what do we want to do? The Springboks is always about what they think they should do. You almost look at like the imagination here. And it goes back to the whole belief thing. And it was such an amazing thing to see. And like, I'm a big enough person now. Um, I remember when I met you back in, <laughs> when was it? Back in New Zealand years back. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I would have taken yesterday really, really personally and I, I wouldn't be able to function. But I looked at that and I thought, this is amazing for sport. And it's, it's a great wake up call for SA because the way these guys are going about it shows you what is possible. And it must be so exciting to be in the squad right now to think, well, guys, what do we want to do? <laughs> like, it's, it's almost like, like saying, well, we've got, we can do absolutely everything. It's like living in a dream factory and that the, the, the succession plans that are happening right now on the back of this, I really can't see the All Blacks being beaten or dethroned for, I mean, you don't want to sound sensationalist, but I, I can't actually put a, a time frame to this right now because when, whenever there's a new coach or a new regime change in, in international rugby teams, no matter who it is, England, SA, France, whatever, there is, mm. there is like a rebuilding phase, but now, New Zealand have kind of they perfected the art of going to the next level, like you said. It is absolutely mm. incredible to think that you can lose seven hundred test caps off the World Cup and now we're sitting here as rugby championship champions again to thinking that actually take it to another level. Like do you think there's any there's any way that complacency or lack of imagination could get to the point seeing as so much has been done? I think that's always there's always that potential, and I think historically that's uh, has come in certain moments. I think what's helping them is chasing this world record of tests in a row. I think that's helping them, uh, and then the Lions are in the distance. And Cyprus actually, for any test playing nation, actually has, <laughs> has the record at twenty twenty four. The Cypriots. So um, I'm sure that's pinned up in their dressing room. If they, if the All Blacks go through, beat Australia in Park. Interestingly enough, this this run started in 2015, the match before the Rugby World Cup at Eden Park versus yep. Australia. Yep. The match previous to that, the All Blacks had lost in Sydney. They'd come home and put on a 41-13 victory. So back to Eden Park, the All Blacks haven't lost there since, since 1994. 
before and you know many listeners will be like well I wasn't even you know in my parents imagination then and so at the end of year two they've got Ireland Italy Ireland France not exactly you know the toughest northern hemisphere tour and then obviously the Lions they win all those third test the Lions they take it to 25 so I, I think that they there are plenty of motivations around and you'll notice if you listen to them closely, they, they're singing off the same song sheet, Legacy. That's Legacy. Exactly. So there is something about the black jersey and there is something about what it represents and the significance because there is worth in that. If you have worth in something and you buy into it and you believe that there is worth, then you respond accordingly. And well, Johnny, the, I- the All Blacks... On, on, on Thursday Sorry, nights, yeah, on Thursday night, I was lucky enough to actually attend an event with them. So it was like a meet and greet kind of Q and A thing. And the whole thing about the legacy of the jersey, like I've always, I've always got the impression with the Springboks is that you're playing for the jersey and what has happened and the history and the pedigree. These guys, they're playing for the jersey because they're taking it up a level for the jersey. So they're acknowledging all of that, but their legacy is to make it better. So when they leave it, it's stronger. And I, it is so obvious. And like you say, they're all on the same song sheet. You got that impression from Matt Todd, who looked quite nervous as a public speaker, all the way through to Ben Smith, yes. who was actually taking a lot of the questions. That was the one thing I picked up throughout. And and that's the, you know, you you see in some other international teams, and and one that's sort of quite close to us. You see that the, you know these players who have immense talent, but it seems like they view themselves as being bigger than their national team's jersey, and you know. Their test career doesn't flourish like you think that their talent, you know, should lead it to. And you know what you talk about the Aaron Smith incident. You know what it reinforces again is that Aaron Smith, you are not bigger than the team. Exactly, you are not bigger than the legacy that we're trying to build. And because of the talent that is in New Zealand, I mean, there is so much talent. I mean, you've got like Anton Leonard Brown, who, if you watch him, that has, you know. One of those cliche micro schools are, are sensational. Uh, the try that um, Ben Smith scored and where he puts the ball from one hand from his right to his left and passes with his left so that he can get it to his to Bowden Barrow on his right and so it doesn't go forward. I mean, the guy you know just come into the to the side and is being retained on form. I mean, you think about that team. There's no Aaron Smith, no Sonny Bill Williams. Mm-hmm. So no no Aaron Smith, no Sonny Bill Williams in that squad, and no Sam Kane. So you've got those three guys who you know would would be pressing if are leading in, in in their positions, and there are any number coming through um, the system in New Zealand. And we have, as you have in South Africa, a number of years ago they started putting um, high school schoolboy college rugby on TV, and they had the New Zealand schoolboys. Um, playing uh, over the weekend, and you you just see the talent coming through. I think it's Aroni Clark's son. I watched him at centre at thirteen. I'm thinking, man, just just has it, just the ability to beat a person, speed off the mark. And he's probably eighteen, and then you go, okay, Rico Iwani, nineteen. And that's gonna, you know, it's just it, it's a production line, and you know, if you have that, and then you've got the developmental structures that can bring them through. And the coaching that can can maximise and encourage that with a philosophy, you know, what you talked about, central contracting. So we're all behind, we're all pushing to the, the ultimate goal of the All Blacks being successful. Um, it's going to be pretty hard to, to you know, knock that off. I, when, I, I, I can't you know, see it happening. When I, they've got that belief system. I can't see it happening for so long. You know, just to look at that whole succession plan, this is the back line for the World Cup final, right? When they beat the Aussies. Aaron Smith? Okay, he wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't playing on the weekend. Dan Cotter, no. he's not there anymore. Julian Sevier, he wasn't playing on the weekend. Ma Nanu, he's not there anymore. Conrad Smith, he wasn't there anymore. Uh, Mulna Scudder, he's not there at the moment. He's injured. And he's injured. Uh, ben Smith was the only, yeah. was the only guy in the World Cup final who was playing on Saturday when they beat the Springboks at home. For the biggest ever win. I mean, that just, that alone is, it's so scary. It, it really, really is that they can have interchangeable backlines. And I'm sure, you know, like someone else could have come in for Smith and there could have been a completely different backline. But yeah, it's, exactly. it, it, it is scary. But at the same time, it's something that's, I think, you know, from a South African perspective, you can't look at it and go, Oh, this is depressing. If anything, it's really no. great because 
how amazing can it be to know that you, firstly, excellence on this level is possible because these guys are doing it. Yes. Secondly, you can work out exactly what they're doing, learn from them, and get better on the back of that. And then you can do your own thing on top of that. It's just people are seeing this in such a negative way, but I think you know it's an incredible time to be living in rugby right now. And this is an incredible team that's just done the basics right. And um, it's that whole legacy thing. I'm glad you brought it up because if that isn't the first lesson that every team can take out, then maybe they'll never, ever come right. They'll never, ever get it right. But just um, one thing I, I touched on before we go is that uh, Steve Hansen made a point about the rugby championship champions taking on the Six Nations champions. Now, um, South Africa are about to go play England at Twickenham. They're probably going to take another 50. Uh, New Zealand are going to England and they're not, well, they're going to the Great Britain, but they're not playing England. Is this something that World Rugby should, yeah, is this something that World Rugby should really be making a massive effort to make happen? Because at the end of the year, that's what you want to see. You want to see North versus South in the, in the, in the, the big game here. And if it's always going to kind of be New Zealand, logistically, it's not too difficult to kind of work it out. Hmm. I think anything that can, um, elevate the contests and you know make them compelling i mean rugby is uh, in like any sport is entertainment and it would be if, if the all blacks were traveling to twickenham every rugby fan would be watching that and would be fascinated with what would be taking place and unfortunately that's not happening and so we're left with uh eddie jones um talking it up and 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 doing doing his thing, um, he's made. I think he's made a good comment though recently about you know not trying to copy the All Blacks. I thought when under Stuart Lancaster, it was almost like he was um, a doppelganger. He wanted to make his side of the doppelganger of the All Blacks. I mean, yeah. imitation is the highest form of flattery. But he would read everything. He would say, "Oh, you see, and just anecdotes. You'd see he'd read the books about the All Blacks. He'd done this, and he." When the England have done well, and even when South Africa have done well, you know, the difference between England and All Blacks and South Africa and the All Blacks is we have a respect, a, a, a real mutual respect, a brotherhood, I would probably term it like. Whereas, you know, while, while there is some sort of respect with the English, when they're doing really well, they're, they have that arrogance. Yeah. And, and it's us against, the, you know, the colonials. And, that te- that has played well, and so I think that's encouraging. And I think for South, Af- for South Africa, I mean, I, you know, I looked at the result on on Sunday morning our time, and it's it, it seemed inevitable. I mean, and that that is a catastrophe if you're starting to watch just a, a contest, and yet you there is a sense of inevitability about the result. And even that first half, the All Blacks, you know, they probably blew three tries early on. Easily. With bad passes. Easily. From Reed and, Reed and Todd out the back door, and then Perinara fumbled a pass on the left-hand um, touchline as well. And, you know, so that they, they had those opportunities. So the execution um, wasn't there. By the 26th minute, South Africa had scored all their first-half points, but they had not been inside the All Blacks attacking 22. I mean, it's like... Is that is that really a, a sustainable type philosophy or game plan? I mean, what's going on? What's happening with the leaders out on the field? You know, what what's going on with the selections? What how is this how is the South African game plan fitting together, following their philosophy and the players that they select reflect that? And then the second half, forty five points in forty minutes. But I think it's even worse. I think it's twenty eight points in the last ten minutes. Yeah, the All Blacks scored most of points versus Argentina. I think in a twelve minute gambit. And so what they're able to do is when it starts, they're able to put it together and it's, happen- it's happening very quickly. Heaven help the side facing them who, when they actually do that for 80 minutes. Yeah, well, that's what they were saying going into the week. They were still looking for that 80-minute uh, performance. But it is. I, I think that's another thing about the, about their aura. You know, we see it in cricket with great bowlers. Once again, to the batsman's head, is that once the All Blacks score a try and then they score another, you, everyone is thinking, oh, shit, here we go. And I saw the, oh, shit, here we go, very much in that second half. And it was just, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's almost like if it was a boxing match, they would have called it off because the, the opponent couldn't see. Um <laughs> Like there were people and on the field. Final try, <laughs> and then and that the final try. Yeah. That, after the eighty, after the siren or hood or whatever they have at um, Kings Park, and 
you know you've got your opponent. You know, generally speaking, you put the ball out, you'll be satisfied. Well, we've got a good win. But they keep playing on. And so they get the ball back. And they get the ball back. And they keep playing on. And they finish with another try in the corner. And then Lima Sopolaga with teammates sort of playing behind him puts it over the black dot. Which, you know, was like the exclamation mark after the previous 32 exclamation marks. Um, and must be pretty soul-destroying. I mean, facing the All Blacks now, the difficulty for sides, you know, they talk a good story. We, we, we hear it before each week, the All Blacks are beatable. And of course they are. But at this stage, if the All Blacks turn up a near 100%, then, you know, even Bryce Lawrence probably can't save the opposition. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Past. I, I think Brian Slorridge with an eye patch couldn't save anyone right now, unless if the, the, the other team is playing really, really well. Well, Johnny, we've run out of time, unfortunately, but um, what else is happening on your side at the moment? Obviously, we can catch you on Twitter. I am Johnny King. That's J-O-N-N-Y King. Um, Writing-wise, he's still as prolific as he used to be? Oh, it's, it's probably changed. I mean... Previously, it was more uh, punching things out on a regular basis, but now I've sort of transitioned into the longer form stuff. So um, just if you stay tuned with the handle that you mentioned, and uh, there will be some longer form books um, being produced in, in the coming period. And, uh, and, of course, generally speaking, when there is live rugby on, you can find me, or live all black rugby especially, you can find me online um, giving my thoughts with a creative twist, maybe. Indeed. And the next moment will be, uh, I think, what, 22nd of October? The All Blacks running out against the Wallabies. That'll be for the Big 18. Yep, absolutely. Saturday week. Uh, so Saturday AM, South African time. Uh, what, would that, what would that be? 7.35 local times. So what would that be? 8.30 Probably, South African time? Yeah, 8.30, 9.30 SA time. Yeah, watch that. I'll be betting everything I have on that, that win because it's just easy money. Uh, that's one thing I have realized from the season so far is that the All Blacks have been easy money on the betting. Johnny, thanks so much for your time. It's been great chatting to you, great catching up, and the great, great insights. Uh, look, it is what it is right now. The All Blacks are unstoppable, and everyone else has to find a way. That's just how it is. Um, but it's a good thing that at least we can see this in our, in our lifetime. Rugby played like it's never been played before. That's it for the show today. Catch you soon, Pretty Johnny. Fun. Thanks a lot. That's it for the show today. If you've missed anything, uh, thebounce.co.za uh, in about an hour if you are listening live. Or if you're listening to a podcast, well, you're probably on the blog post already. But catch everything else on The Bounce right now. There's my piece about SA Rugby essentially actually falling to its lowest ever state and dying. Uh, have a read in that. But then I'm also going to write a piece later in the week about the whole legacy thing. Like I said, I was fortunate enough to actually spend some time with some of the All Blacks prior to this match over the weekend. And uh, it's just the understanding of what brilliance is. I think we would all kind of forget this because most of the time we watch rugby, we're very drunk. And most of the time we talk about rugby, we're very emotional. So I'm going to try to give some more insights onto that. Catch you next week. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been another episode of The Bounce Show with me, Ben Coppinski.